Hi there, church family. It's good to be with you today for our midweek sermon recap. We like trying to do this every week. Hopefully you enjoy it, those who are able to listen. Uh, We continue in our series on generosity, on God's generosity, trying to look at how generous he has been to us in in creation, and then the last two weeks focusing in on how he's been generous to us in Christ. Um, And so uh, this, this past week, really, we were looking at how God has been generous in Christ. Like, we, we talked uh, the week before about the offer of salvation and how it is how it is there for us uh, to take. That God desires all men to be saved. That Christ says, come to me, all who are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Um, and so that was a couple weeks ago, but then this week was, okay, what do we receive in Christ though when we when we take that, when we take that offer, when we when we trust in Him, and so we went to Ephesians chapter one um, for that, focusing in on verses one through fourteen. And there's a lot there in verses one through fourteen. We just kind of skimmed it, and there's a lot of other things I'm sure we could talk about that we receive in Christ. Uh, but there was uh, a few things I'll just mention real quick. Uh, in Christ we are forgiven. We see here in verse seven. In Christ we have freedom from sin. Uh, that was in verses uh, 7 and 8. In Christ, we are adopted into the family of God. That's focus on verse 5. In Christ, we have a guaranteed inheritance. We see this in verses 11 and 13. Uh, in Christ, we will never be let go. This is promised too with the Holy Spirit of sealing the inheritance. We are his forever. But then we went to Romans 8 to see that as well. And then in Christ, we will spend eternity with God. There is a promise to spend eternity with God forever and went to John 14 where Jesus promised to go and prepare a place and to come back uh, for us. So again, there's there's more that we receive in Christ. We didn't do a full explanation of everything that we receive in Christ, but just just these these base these base things. Now something that I found to be important uh, when we were talking about generosity because this really comes off of uh, we wanted to address um, money. Uh, meeting with the stewardship team, just things going on in the life of the church here, just with having a building that's now 30 years old. It needs repair. It needs fixing. And so we, we've been looking at like renovations. Um, also, since COVID, you know, uh, it changed a lot of people's life. A lot of people stopped coming to church. A lot of people wavered. And now today with uh just the economy and how things are going, we have seen offering change and go down. So just trying to think through that, but then also realizing we have a lot of newer people at the church who maybe don't know what the Bible says about giving. That's where this series really came from. But in in uh, thinking about that, to be honest, I was kind of uncomfortable to just come and say, we need to give more money. Look at this is where the Bible says this or that. And so that's what led to this whole series of, well, let's see how God has been generous to us and then we'll see how that plays out then in our life, uh, what that should look like, which is kind of where we're where we're heading. But I just think in and in reading some books, you know, Chad Bird book, um, just studying in general comes across very often. I don't think people get too motivated by just saying, "Hey, the Bible says you should give. You should give." I don't know how effective that is. Same as like, hey, the Bible says to stop sinning. So let's all leave here today and not not sin. Uh, 
what that becomes, I think, is is law based teaching, and I don't know how well that works. You know, I I mean, I guess we some of us like rules, some of us don't like rules. We function better in rules than outside of rules. And there is some freedom within rules. And so I know people will look at laws and say that there's freedom within these laws because I know the boundaries, I know what's doing, it helps me to live. And I, I understand that. But I just haven't found much success to see a heart changed to just demand or declare something, right? And so the goal of this series has been to see that God is generous to us all the ways he's been generous to us, to see how Christ has been generous to us, to see our response to God's generosity, which wasn't a good response. But when you see how God then responds after our response in Christ, which we've spent the last two weeks doing, that we will then eventually get to, now that we're in Christ and we see God's generosity, there's really only one way to respond, and that's we should be generous like God is generous. We And so we're going to look at that in three areas. Uh, we're going to look at that within the church, within the family, but also within the state. So also like civilly out in the community. Um, What does that mean for us as Christians then to be like our God? We want to be like God. We want to be generous. And that will expand not just from our money, but also our time, our talents, our treasures, all that stuff is what we're going to hopefully see that this is the natural overflow. And so my hope is that it's not uh, law-based, but it's out of gratitude because look how kind God is to us. Look how generous he has been to us. Thus, I want to be generous to others. And I think that when we're generous to our church family, when we're generous within our family, and when we're generous outside of the family, what then, then starts to happen, I think, is when people start to notice. It's like something's going on in this person's life. They are different. What is what is different? And our response wouldn't be, hopefully, well, the Bible tells me to be generous. The response will hopefully be, God has been so generous to me, I don't know what else to do. You know, I, I just I just don't know how else to act. It's because I'm I'm worshiping him, I'm loving him, and this is the avenue he's given me to worship him. We gather together for worship, but he's also given me, you know, my family to love, my friends to love, my church family to to love, and this is how he this is how he does it. So it's kind of looking where we're going, but hopefully I'm I'm hopefully giving an understanding of why this series is going the direction it's it's going, right? And I, I think it's different than maybe what we are used to when we're saying, hey, we're going to talk about generosity um, for a while. What do you what do you guys think about about that 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 strategy or or looking at that or you know saying, hey, this is law, do this versus trying to change uh, heart and an attitude and instead. What are what are your guys' thoughts about that or experience in the past? Yeah, well I definitely agree. I think I think, you know, um just t- t- telling somebody you need to, you know, stop doing this or you need to start doing this. Um even if someone has good resolve they're going to find themselves frustrated because it's like, Oh, you know, I didn't, I didn't do this. I should have done this. Or, you know, when it comes to stewardship, Oh man, I didn't, I didn't give my time like I should have. Oh, I was lazy. You know, I, I overslept or, Oh, I didn't, I didn't put my tithe in today and they'll, they can beat themselves up rather than kind of what you, the direction you're going is showing, showing us how generous God is. And as he is generous, as he has given all, like you, you know, you mentioned like the the blessings, like in Ephesians. You know, He's given us all the we have we have the the um, 
the all, heavenly blessings, all yeah, all spiritual blessings, all spiritual blessings, yeah, yeah, all mm-hmm. spiritual blessings, and helping kind of frame that so people realize that God has been so, He is so gracious. He does not mark our iniquities, like Psalm one thirty says. He does not, you know, He does not say, "Oh, yep, you missed it. You know, you're cut off." And so, giving that proper framework or teaching can then help inspire or evoke a, a response from, from God's people to say, you know what? I really want to give. Not because I feel like, oh, I better because God will be mad if I don't or, you know, I'll, I'll be judged or whatever, but rather as a response back to God because I want to be faithful and please Him because He's been so good to me. And I think that flipping that script is very, very mm-hmm. effective and very important. I think people start will start to understand that. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the strategy that who's, who's the people who do the bells outside at Christmas? Salvation Army. Salvation right. Army. Yeah. Salvation Army's strategy is very clear. Guilt. <laughs> That's what their strategy is. And it's effective. To, to raise money, yeah. it is effective. Because, you know, like, if you Same go to Kroger. Scouts. Huh? Same with Girl yeah, Scouts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you go to Kroger and Monroe on, uh, on South Dixie here, mm-hmm. they have three doors. The, the Salvation Army, when they're ringing the bell, stands at the door when you leave, which used to be very effective because everybody paid with cash. So they knew you were getting change and you would at least give your change. Times have kind of changed now. Mm-hmm. Everybody uses a card, so I'm sure they're, mm-hmm. they've been hit as well. But I then, so I don't feel guilt, won't walk out that door. I don't want them to see me. I don't want them to look mm-hmm. me in the eye. I don't really want to give. I don't have anything to give right now. I paid with the card. I will work my way past the carts walk past the bottle room to go to the other door, which is usually closer to where I park mm-hmm. anyways. But why am I doing that? I'm doing it to avoid the guilt because if they, if I make eye contact, uh, fine, here, here's some money. <laughs> yeah. it, it's also the strategy now pretty much, I mean, I took, I went to Taco Bell a f- couple weeks ago and right, do you want to round up for, I don't even know what they say. Oh, Children's yeah. education. Yeah. That's yeah. What they usually I don't say. feel guilty. So I tell them no every time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but a lot of people, I guarantee, say yes, just out of guilt. It's like, this person's going to think, I don't care about kids' education. Exactly. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so it is an effective strategy. And yeah. a lot of churches use that strategy. Mm. We want to make you feel guilty. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there is a sense, as a Christian, you probably should feel a little guilty if you're not being generous at all, giving time, whatever, mm-hmm. because we should be that way. But it doesn't change a person's heart, right? The Salvation Army is not changing my heart to care more about what they're doing. Um, Taco Bell hasn't changed my heart about caring for kids' education. That's not going to work. And in the church, we're in a different business than them. We're not in a business to raise money. We're in the business of having hearts changed. And the only way that a heart can be changed according to Scripture is for God to do that. God has to change that. And so then the strategy has to be, well, my goal isn't for the windows to be repaired at church or this, even though that needs to be done. What needs to happen is hearts need to be changed. Well, what's the way for a heart need to be changed? Well, I think the way for the heart need to be changed is they need to see how good God is mm-hmm. and they need to fall in love with God. Mm-hmm. And they need to see then hopefully where we're heading in the, in the series is they need to see that God has established his church. Because if you look in Ephesians chapter one, which we, we actually read the whole thing. I, I started off though reading verses 15 to the end, and then we went back and, and focused on one to 14, but we'll talk more about this probably in an upcoming one, but this is where my mind is. If you, I don't know if you guys have your Bible in Ephesians mm-hmm. one, but if you look at verse uh, 22 and 23, he's talking about Christ. He says, and he had, he, and he put all things under his feet and gave him, this is Jesus as head over all things to the church. Now it's speaking of the church in verse 23, 
which is his body, the fullness of him who does what? Who fills all in all. So how does Christ fill all in all today in, in, uh, in the world? Through the church. Right? He's doing it through the church. So what I'm hoping to get to and what I want people to see, and we've already talked about a little bit, is when you as a Christian are generous to your spouse, Christ is being generous to your spouse through you. Mm -hmm. It's Christ fulfilling all in all. That's what he's doing. When you're generous to your church with your time and with your your money, it's not you being generous. Mm -hmm. That is how Christ is generous to the church. He is using you, working through you. And so you are being the hands and feet of Christ. Serving is what you're doing. When you go to work and you work hard for your boss and you do all this, what it is is, Christ is actually working through you to serve the community. It's Jesus doing this work through you. And that's what I hope we get to see. I want to exposit that section right there and then and then break that down because that that then is a different motivation. It's we we know Christ is going to love his church and he's going to serve his church because it's his. How's he going to do that? He does it through us. Mm-hmm. He does it through us. And so when Tim goes to the hospital, it's not Tim. Christ is serving you now. When one mm-hmm. of the one of the deacons or one of your Sunday school members or whatever ministers to you through through a, a meal or through a phone call or a letter, mm-hmm. we should praise God because God, thank you for serving me. God, you are serving me through my fellow church members, right? That's what we then have the opportunity to do, and that's what's so different than the rest of the yeah. world, right? The rest of the world is serving. Mm-hmm because they think it's the right thing to do, or maybe even just for themselves. Maybe there's pride in it. Who knows what? Mm-hmm. But when we serve, we're serving to fulfill what Christ has called us to do, and we're being the hands and feet of God to going and doing that. Yeah, yeah. there's something you said earlier, Tim, about the mo- like the motivation of why someone wants to do this. I mean, so you could turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, I think it is, where we have that phrase that we hear so often, God loves a cheerful giver. Right, you have to do it, and it says as you've determined in your own heart. Mm-hmm. So not under compulsion, and so right. God cares not about. This is why the topic of generosity or money is especially easy for people to become legalistic about, because there is a number that you can look at. There, there's a goal that mm-hmm. you can set. There's a percentage that you could go by, and that's a very easy way. For us as humans to become legalistic about things is to look at a monthly budget or a certain amount out of each paycheck and say, this is, I've done my duty, right? And that's a very legalistic way to Mm -hmm. look at what it looks like to be generous because it's it's not motivated by the heart. It's motivated by a rule Mm -hmm. that you apply to yourself. And as long as you're doing that rule, you feel like you're doing the right thing. Yeah. Um, And so the, the understanding of the motivation is is really helpful for that to know like this this isn't about a rule this is about your new desire like you explained earlier of i want to be generous like god because god is generous and at the same time you said something earlier that is that's i think helpful because it's not always the case where somebody's just not being generous right they just haven't realized the the truth of the gospel and they they don't understand that they're supposed to do this now it's it's that there is, we in, we also have to instruct, like, and to show, like, well, this is this is how things are set up. This is the way in which we show generosity to one another. This is the way that that flows out of that. Because I think the the norm, like, 
give an example of like a person who has no experience in church whatsoever, doesn't know how a church works or is put together or is organized, but they become a believer and they start coming to that church. They don't know like how the church finances run and like how all of this happens. And especially if you're not at a church that passes the plate, like we don't, you know, and they don't know that that's kind of expected of them or asked of them if it's not brought up often. And so, you know, the teaching and showing opportunities to be generous in that way to the church, because I'm sure that that person would be generous to their friend. Mm-hmm. Right. They, that would show in a different way because the opportunity is there to them. But in the way that we're talking about in terms of supporting your local church and what what drove the beginning of this series, something like that might not be readily obvious mm-hmm. to a person, yeah. you know. And um, so like their neighbors probably would just be a very natural result or their family members or something like that. But uh, but yeah, cert like being generous through your service at your church or through giving at your church is something that probably takes a little bit more instruction. Mm-hmm. And that's where the law can actually be very helpful mm-hmm. for us yeah. to instruct us as a way of life, mm-hmm. not to earn anything, but as a Christian who does have that heart change that says, I do want to honor God. I do want to be generous. Like he's generous. What, what avenues do I have to do that? Yeah. How do I do yeah, it? How do I exactly. do that? Right. Right. And so going to that for the case of instruction, yeah, Right is is the classic way that the law has been used to to help Christians know how do I live now? Yeah, and I think that's what you're talking about with the right motivation. Because if you get those switched, if you get those backwards of I just want to know what to do so I can feel good about myself, that's that's the self righteousness, mm-hmm. that's the legalism yeah. that we're wanting to avoid. What we're trying to do in the series that you're talking about is no, let's make sure our motivation is right. And then we'll go to the instruction. Yes. Right? Yeah. And that, yeah, yeah. that's what we're trying to right, get right. right. And I don't think any of us ever nail that down perfectly. I'm sure everybody who gives to church at times, you're like, I really could keep this myself. Yeah. But mm-hmm. I'm doing this yeah. out of duty. Mm-hmm. And there's something to be said to that too, right? Is mm-hmm. the love of my father and my love to him causes me to obey sometimes even when I I don't want to, right? Everything yeah. is, you can even just say it in the terms of sin, you know, when, when I want to cuss this guy out everything in me is cussing him out, but mm-hmm. I'm not doing it verbally. Yeah. He's not hearing it. It's and maybe it. it's sinful because it's in my head, mm-hmm. but I'm at least obeying. I'm yeah. trying mm-hmm. to obey here. Yeah. yeah. Right. Well, it's, it's really interesting because in that <laughs> yeah. same passage yeah. I referenced earlier in second Corinthians nine, when it's talking about how God loves a cheerful giver at the same time, it also says he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Yeah. And so, you know, a person says, okay, I, I want to be, I want to be generous and kind in my giving. Well, how much should I give then? <clears throat> He doesn't say an amount. Yeah. He just says, give give generously. Mm-hmm. Right. Give as much yeah. as you can. And that's the problem you we know? run into with giving, I think. And um, I, I don't think I'll spend a lot of time on this in the series, but mm-hmm. people will ask that, you know, how much is give 10% and all this. I think that, to me, that's more of an Old Testament thing because yeah. when we get to the New Testament, we we see Christ saying, we we give everything. We give all. You're, you are not of your own anymore. Yeah. Right. You essentially you are owned by Christ. You are in Christ. You are owned by Christ. But mm-hmm. by, but being owned by Christ, all spiritual blessings have been given to you. Know that yeah. everything is yours. Well, you have an inheritance. That's yeah. the view yeah. of your life of a, as that you are a steward. A steward. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. That's stewardship mm-hmm. of right. understanding nothing. I nothing I own, mm-hmm. whether it's my possessions or in my bank account, none of it's actually mine. Mm-hmm. It's been given to me as a gift. And so I just need to hold on to it loosely. 
Right. That's that yeah. understanding uh-huh. of stewardship. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And, and that's where our time, get, yeah. you know, time, same thing is a commodity that God has given us. So, yeah. Yeah. And that's where it gets hard, right? Because I think it is easier at times to say, no, I just need you to tell me a number. Mm-hmm. Do you want yeah. $40, $50, 5%, 10% so I can feel good about it? And I don't think that that's the right thing to do. I don't, I don't think it's there. I mean, I don't, I don't think there's anywhere or even your time. Like, how can I be a good church member? Mm-hmm. Can I come Sunday morning and Sunday school? Is that enough time? Do I have to come on Wednesday? Mm-hmm. Right. They're starting to compartmentalize this time thing. And it's like, yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't want you. That's not, that's not what we're, that's not what we're doing yeah. here. Yeah. And it's yeah. like, this might not be where you're wanting to go with this episode, but probably not. This isn't necessarily where I needed to go anyway. So this is nothing to do with sermon that we're preaching. No, it doesn't. <laughs> but what you're talking about, I mean, the number or whatever, that that's clearly displayed in the book of Acts chapter 5 when you have Barnabas, who is this extremely generous uh, son of encouragement, as his name means, sells his field, gives all of it to the apostles for them to distribute to those who are in need. Right after that, you have Ananias and Sapphira, who sell their property as well, but they keep some of it back for themselves and they only give part of it. But the problem with that story is it's you could understand that to mean, oh, so I have to give it all mm-hmm. or because they're killed, like God kills them right, for yeah. that. But it's easy to misunderstand that because really what they were killed for was they wanted to look generous without actually being yeah. generous. They wanted they they were hypocritical. They wanted to be thought of mm-hmm as a certain way. They lied of, too, didn't they? Well, that's, that's what it was. Yeah, they were, yeah. lying. They were lying. That was their hypocrisy. Mm-hmm. They wanted, said. they wanted people to th- see them mm-hmm. as being generous. And Peter said, do you think you can lie to the Holy spirit? Mm-hmm. God knows what your heart is. And so they were secretly. So I don't think that Ananias and Sapphira would have been killed if they just made it known. We're not giving everything. We're giving some. Mm-hmm. Like their their sin was not giving only some. Right, yeah. exactly. Their sin was they made it appear like they gave everything, mm-hmm. and they were being hypocritical in that. Um, and so that's just uh, that that comes down to like, well, how much should I give? All fifty percent, twenty percent? Again, it's not the God cared about their heart mm-hmm. in that mm-hmm. moment, and He judged them for it yep. um, for that, and it caused fear to spread through the whole church in that sense of. Of fearing hypocrisy. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, what we focused on this week <clears throat> was what we receive in Christ again, and this idea that we are forgiven of our sins. Christ, Christ forgives us of, of all of our sin, all future, present, past. It, what it, you know, all, all of it. And because of that, we we are cross people, right? We go to the cross. We know that when we sin, we can go to Jesus, go to God our Father, and be forgiven through the blood of Christ. And and we still seek that forgiveness, but we know that that forgiveness is there, which then leads into the fact that we have freedom. We have great freedom in Christ because we're we're free from sin, uh, knowing that if we sin, we can go to him, but also knowing that God has given us the Holy Spirit and the, the power of the Holy Spirit allows us to overcome sin. Now, there's some, I think, who take that too far and they start to preach perfectionism, that we will be perfect. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't believe that is true scripturally. Uh, but I do think... And I even I even said it uh, in the message that for most of us, I would say for all of us as Christians, if we really look in our life, we can see where God has has worked in our life, mm-hmm. where He's rooted out sin. Again, we might not be free of anger, but we could probably see how God has has done some work in there, or, or the language we use, or the things that we watch, or how we talk, or I don't know. You can go you can go on and on with all all different kinds of of sins, the pride in our in our heart and in our lives, where God has shown us our sin and He's allowed us to see it but also 
to work on it. And that's because of the power of the Holy Spirit, where we've been given freedom to be able to do that because we're not slaves to sin uh, any longer. Um, and so this great freedom that we that we have in Christ is a freedom only only found in Christ. Other, others don't have that. And now we have a good idea, though, too, of sin in our life and how we're living in the direction. We have answers for, for this uh, being in Christ. But then we're also told that we're adopted into the family of God. And I think this is a big deal. You know, we're not just a teammate of God. We're not just in the kingdom of God. We're not just um, a, a friend or, or just, you know, God could have easily just said, yeah, you're forgiven, but get out of my way, right? Get in the corner. <clears throat> um, no, that's not how it works. It's, I'm your father and you are, you are mine. And this, there's, there's this close, intimate bond and relationship that we have uh, with God the Father being in in Christ. And what makes it even more special, I guess, is Ephesians tells us that God chose this before the foundations of everything. So it's not by accident. It's not it's not like God saying, Oh man, this one believed. <laughs> now they're part of the family. <laughs> you know, it's not <laughs> gotta pay for another one's college. <laughs> yeah. It's not it's not like that, right? Mm-hmm. It's there's a there's this great joy that you are mine and I am your father and you come to me in that way. And mm-hmm. so we have this relationship with God that is one not of judgment and and uh trial and all this stuff no we have this relationship with god that he is a father who loves us and cares for us and wants good things for us in fact in romans it says he's working all all things together for good right and so i think this is stuff that needs to be on our minds as christians and and we start to shy away from that and i think part of that is a problem with i would say groups that we run with um scripturally because we are so afraid not afraid uh, we dislike so much the prosperity gospel that we are afraid to say things like God wants good for you mm-hmm. because yeah, we're afraid exactly. of where their mind will go. We mm-hmm. overcorrect. So yeah. we've overcorrected <laughs> yeah. to where now it becomes like you're a sinner and God just wants to punish you all the time. And it's like, no, that's not what we have in this God, right? Mm-hmm. He, he's poured his grace out on us to love us and to mm-hmm. care for us and to, to meet our needs. And yeah, the world is hard and we're going to die and, Things are going to go bad. Don't get me wrong, but mm-hmm. the Bible says God uses that stuff for for our yep. good. You said something in your sermon that I wrote down because I, I thought it was a really good reminder that you just said very clearly, God is not withholding anything from you. Yeah, yeah. that was good. Right? He's not withholding anything. And sometimes I think people need to hear that Right. Of because we can get pouty mm-hmm. and we can get to the point where we feel like God's not treating us fairly or the way he promised to. But your sermon was a great reminder that the every spiritual blessing, their spiritual blessings, mm-hmm. right, and and that we have in the gospel, God is not withholding anything good from you. And you read the verses from Romans eight mm-hmm. that He works all things together for the good of those who love Him. I think are those the verses you read in Romans eight? No, I read <laughs> just after that, but I read yeah. them earlier. Yeah. I read them yeah. in sermon prior. Yeah. yeah, and so it's just that's the reminder to <clears throat> us of like exactly my life might not be you know, the life I see on TV or in magazines or something, but God never promised me that he's promised me something better. Yeah. You know, which is where it's going, right? He's an inheritance. Yeah. Yeah. And this inheritance is everything that was given to Christ, which it says, all things have been given to me. That's what's been given to us. Yeah. Right. And the Bible even says that we will rule and reign with Christ Mm -hmm. in the new heavens and new earth. I don't know how that's going to function, how Mm -hmm. that's going to pan out. Um, But his inheritance is our inheritance. Mm-hmm. And we would look at Jesus and say, God isn't holding it. The Father's not holding anything back for the Son. He's not holding anything back from you either, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like you were just saying, Scott. 
And so this inheritance is guaranteed. It's as if it's as if it's ours. And I, I think it was, I can't remember if it was Chad Bird or who else I was reading, but that I mentioned the prodigal son and uh, he had brought up or whoever I was reading brought up, like I had said, a hundred times. If this happens a hundred times, the father's going to still go out mm-hmm. and have a party. Mm-hmm. Here you are, yeah, here you are, good. here you are, here you are. And that, and that's what we have in our, our father because the inheritance is, it's ours forever. Yep. And the Holy Spirit has promised that and sealed that for us. Um, and so then we talked about how Christ never lets us go. That's where we went to Romans 8, that nothing separates us. Um, death, not death, nor life, not, no power, no authority is going to separate us from the love of God our Father. It just, It's just not going to happen. And so no matter what war may come, what trial may come, it can't separate us. And that's where Paul then goes, not even death, not even life, not even your, nothing is going to separate. Mm-hmm. And so... I just I know I read those a lot and I reference those a lot, but I think uh, I think people need to think about that more often. I know I do. I need to think about that more often because I can get pouty and start thinking differently mm-hmm. for sure. And life can become very hard and a yeah. struggle. And it's good to hear. God, listen, he, nothing separating you from God though, mm-hmm. right? Not even you, Tim, and your in your dumbness and what you do, yeah. right? Uh, I don't remember when yeah. did you you referenced? Um, it wasn't long ago of the Fox's Book of Martyrs. Was that in this series or the last one that we just finished? It wasn't too long ago. It wasn't this series. Okay. Maybe the end of your last mm-hmm. one. Yeah. It was, yeah. Yeah, but you, you had, the point that you had made in that, I think, if I remember right, was to point out to people, my life isn't nearly as bad <laughs> yeah. as what it could be. Right, yeah. I was trying to get us to yeah, focus yeah. a little bit on that. Yeah, and in a, in a similar way, like we can, you said we can get pouty whenever we turn inward and look only at ourselves yeah, in yeah. our own situation, uh-huh. which tends to happen a lot more when you separate yourself from the people who care about you the most mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. will be able to remind you the most of these spiritual blessings that you've been given to Christ, which is the church, right? the body, mm-hmm. you know, and we're in Ephesians later on in Ephesians in Ephesians chapter four, there's that same language used of the body building itself up in love. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, yeah, we need we need to put ourselves around people that will remind us of that, so that when we get pouty, they can look at us and say, "Dave, come on, man. Yep, you have every spiritual blessing yeah. in Christ. Like you're you're losing focus right. here. Yep, you know." And uh, that's what the writer of Hebrews did in twelve, mm-hmm. in chapter twelve, because yeah. the people were starting to suffer. Yeah, and he's like, "You haven't even bled yet." And yeah. what does he do? He says, "Remember the cloud of witnesses mm-hmm. yep. surrounding you." And who, they could say, "Well, who's the cloud of witnesses before us?" Well, it was the chapter before yeah. when he talked about all the people who died. Yeah, and now he's people. saying, "Listen, you haven't even bled yet." Yeah, but these people. Are there cheering you on? This is yeah. your, yeah. Who, you know, go. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Look to Christ who mm-hmm. died for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, it's the church who does that. And, yeah. you know, the writer of Hebrews is talking to people who are kind of separated. We have close connections now to all the church. These are people who, you know, a church who was kind of separated from all the other churches. They couldn't go fellowship with them or whatever saying mm-hmm. they're there. Mm-hmm. Right. And these are the things that are happening. Yeah, for sure. And, and I think you said something really good, um, you know, and, and, and you brought this up too, Scott, as far as like. I think we overcorrect sometimes, you know, I mean, especially like you were saying, like, you know, in our theological circles or what have you, there could be such an emphasis on like total depravity, which we need to, right? We need to talk about that, our sinfulness, but sometimes it can, we can forget or we can lose like, wait a second. Yes. But like you said, we're forgiven past, present and future. Like he has done it all. It is finished. And we are more than conquerors, you know, not just like, hey, you're doing pretty good. You've 
pretty much overcome some things, but you got some work to do, buddy. <laughs> you know, we are more than conquerors. And so it's that balance, right? Yeah, right. Of the spirit-filled life, mm-hmm. you know, fruit of the spirit, and also framing that with we are depraved within ourselves. Paul says, there's nothing good within me that is in my flesh, mm-hmm. you know? And so I think that balance is so important because sometimes different theological sides can be out of balance and lean toward one thing and, and miss that the other part. So I think that was really good. Yeah. What you said. Well, then the last thing, because I see our, our time is coming up. Uh, in Christ, we will spend eternity with God and saw that promise to be with him forever. And I mentioned a book, Randy Alcorn's book, Heaven. It's a good book. Uh, that, that book is written kind of like a systematic theology on heaven is kind of how it's set up. But he does ask questions and he tries to answer the questions. And I was reading quite a bit of it uh, last week. I ended up not using any of it in the in the sermon. But it's not... Um, too educational at all. It's it's an easy book to read. I think little parts even because it would ask a question and it would write an answer for a a few pages or even sometimes just a few paragraphs. So it was for someone like me who has a a short attention span, it was easy to Mm. quickly read Mm -hmm. things and be like, Oh, that's interesting. Um, Like he had a little section on, will there be sports in heaven? And I might not agree necessarily with what he says, but he's also not too definitive in everything he says. He he pulls some scripture and he kind of says, it kind of seems like maybe this or that, you know, with different things. Um, And he will lay out like, this is what a post-millennial person would believe is going to happen here. This is what, this is what a a pre-millennial, you know, he, and he, I don't know if he ever really stated what his was. It was just more of like, this is some of the beliefs and, and, and just some of those areas, but you know, just. Are we going to recognize each other? Are we going to have family? Are we going to do this? Are we going to rule and reign? What's that going to look like? You yeah. know, all these different things. And it, in the in the least, it was very thought provoking. Mm-hmm. And and in, at least the circles I run in and people I read, they speak highly of this book. And I'm I'm yet oh, yeah. to find people who haven't really spoke highly yeah. of the book because Randy Elkhorn's not necessarily a name I come across watching sermons or doing anything sure. like that. But um, people do seem to enjoy it. And the, People might say, well, why don't you put it at the bookstall? We probably could, but I think it'd probably be a little more expensive of a book. I don't know if it's made yet to probably. be soft cover. Mm-hmm. And it's pretty thick. <laughs> if people look at the bookstall, they'll notice now that most of the books on the new reworked bookstall are much shorter. Yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> there's a reason because, for that. Because, yeah. I mean, I understand there's not, reading has become a lost art. Yeah. And, a and lot this of book's people, like 300 and some pages, yeah, I think. Yeah. It looks intimidating. But it's really not. Yes. That's what I'm trying to get yes. at. It, and it, that's a lot of books. It really yeah. is approachable. And so, yeah. again, that's Randy Alcorn, his book, Heaven. I have, um, just real quick, that to give more encouragement to people to read that book, uh, a neighbor of, of ours who whose wife passed away earlier this year when we went to follow up and visit with him as he was grieving his wife, he told us about you know, all these books that he'd been given prior to his wife dying to try to give him hope and how non-hopeful they were um, to trust in things like healings and things like that. Um, but a book that he was given after she passed away was that book, Heaven. And he said that that book was probably the most encouraging thing that he could have read mm-hmm. to to grieve his wife's loss because she was a believer, yeah. you know, and he said that that book was very helpful to, yeah, for him, it's a good you know, book. to, to mm-hmm. focus on that. So like for anyone that's lost a loved one or is grieving and if they're a believer, you know, to, to read about heaven. It's just a fascinating topic. I mean, I don't know how often people think like, <clears throat> again, this has nothing to do with sermon, but <laughs> he'd mentioned in the book, like when you say heaven, what do most people think about? They probably think about when you die, if I were to die tomorrow, I'm going to heaven. Well, really the Bible speaks of 
there's like an intermediary thing going on there because one day there'll be a new heavens and a, mm-hmm. and a new earth and yeah. the dead will rise again, right? Mm-hmm. Their body and given new bodies. And so just reading that book and like trying to think through all of that, you know, and what different people think of what that means. It, it was just thought provoking. It was mm-hmm. something to think about. Mm-hmm. And, and it wasn't like, it's not going to challenge your faith or, or something like make you start doubting. It was just like, oh yeah, I haven't, hadn't thought of it that mm-hmm. way. And yeah, okay, that's interesting. So yeah. it was just, and he did say there was sports. Mm-hmm. He I, said, I, I he said there'll still that. be losing. There's still be losing. But there'll be no sin, so it's not going to bother you. Nobody, <laughs> yeah. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody's going to get participation. <laughs> yes, I don't know. He, he also <laughs> says if you love cities or you love the countryside, you can do both. Yeah, you there's can. Gonna, there's going to be the central city, New Jerusalem, yeah. and then there's going to be the surrounding countryside. Yeah. I thought, oh, that's you interesting. So Tim's going to be the, on the far end. Uh, yeah. <laughs> One of the kids. Yeah, he, Tim's going to be in heaven because he doesn't have to talk to anybody. <laughs> yeah, where's the second? It was actually awesome the way Kara Shram answered a question of a, of a or I'm sorry, not here at Mabel answered a question of a child at vacation Bible school this past year because they asked are there is my pet going to be in heaven because they prayed for their pet that died yeah and her answer was I, the Bible doesn't really say if pets or animals are going to be in heaven but the Bible does say that God has made heaven and if God has made heaven it's it's going to be perfect and so anything good yeah is going to be in mm-hmm. heaven and so we can trust that that's going to be the case and that's true we are going to eat yes in heaven. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there are going to be some animals. Probably not. I don't know about me. Might be vegetarian. Maybe, ta- I guess. He talks yeah. about that. I think he talks about that. I'm like, Might be manna. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Honey. Yeah. Honey. Anyways. Wafers. Again, it was just, I. it piqued my interest. That's why I mentioned it. And I know that we sing a lot about heaven. Uh, we talk about heaven at funerals. Uh, it, and we should, as Christians, we look forward to heaven. We're, we're called to pray, Lord Jesus, come. Mm-hmm. Come now. Right? come and so uh it's just good to to know about it and mm-hmm. you know to me the way i i kind of want to think about it too is like if i know i'm going to go on vacation i'm looking forward to it i'm looking into it you know where should i go eat what should i go do all this kind of stuff talking to people who've been there before and it brings excitement and heaven should do that for us as yeah. well we're yeah. excited about it we look forward to it we can't wait for it it's going to be uh it's going to be a great thing and we've been given that in christ and it's sealed and it's guaranteed. And so we're thankful for that mm-hmm. uh, in Jesus. Well, we're going to continue this series, uh, probably be in it at least through October, maybe a little bit into November, but it depends on if those three areas have to spill out any uh, more than one sermon. We'll, we'll see though, as we, as we go, but uh, amazingly we're entering like Thanksgiving time and <laughs> Christmas Advent, all this, mm-hmm. it's, it's unreal to me, but, but that that's coming. So, uh, we look forward to that. I hope that you are, I hope that you are too. Uh, I am thankful. I know we're going to talk about money soon, but I am thankful for our church family who gives, they've been very faithful. We have many generous people here who, who give of their time, their money, their time, all those things. And so I'm very thankful. And I know, I hope they know that God is using them I mean, even even today, being able to help members, different church members with financial needs, that's because people have been yeah. have been generous and and kind, and so we're just we're just glad uh, that you that you do that, and we we praise God for that. But uh, hopefully, you continue to study the Word of God uh, throughout the week. Hopefully, this is a help for you on on Wednesday. Um, but we look forward to seeing you this this coming Sunday. We we hope that we get to see you. But until then, we hope that you have a great week. God bless.